weeks of really praying and asking the Lord, and something the Lord keeps saying to me, and something that I wrote down a few weeks ago, is this simple question, is it fear or is it love? And it came from a movie that we were watching with the kids. Somebody had written down, fear or love? And the Lord just told me to pay attention. Start taking some notes. And I started taking notes on this. This question, is it fear or is it love? And here's the thing about that. It really can't be both. Perfect love casts out fear. That's from the book of 1 John. They don't exist together. Is it fear or is it love? We spent last week talking about agape love. Maybe two weeks ago. If you don't remember that, if you weren't here, there's summary. Basically, there's four words for love used in the New Testament. All four of those are limited in different ways, except for the fourth kind, which is the word is agape. There's a word eros, which is where we get the word erotic, and it's about uh, the law of attraction. There's no attraction. There's no eros love. Stergo is Based on family, if there's no bloodline, there's no love called Stergo, and there's Phileo. So we get the word Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. It's loving somebody like a brother, a friend, and it's also conditional. As long as they're your friend, as long as this person is your brother, your sister, you love them, and if not, it's gone. But then there's this fourth word for love in the New Testament, and every time the Bible talks about God's love, it's this word of God and the thing about this word is there's no limitations. It is unlimited, perfect love. And when we operate in that type of love, it casts away fear Amen. from our life and everybody around us and everywhere around us. So how do we do that? That's what I want to talk about. How do we partner with that type of love that is straight from the heart of God? It, it looks a lot less like God's up on the throne and he's beaming this agape love down to us and then we beam it out because we, we know God is on the throne somewhere, but listen to where he also is right here Amen. on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit, one third of the Trinity, dwells inside of you. Come on. It's not like we have to get a download and then we can get it out. It's already on the inside of you if you're a believer. The choice is yours. The power is yours. It's the, if you're my age and you remember Captain Planet, his uh, phrase used to be, the power is yours. It was inside of you the whole time, right? Yeah. That's what this love is like. It's inside of you. The power is yours. And you can choose that whenever you desire. Amen. But there's too many times in life we get too caught up in what the world's saying, what the world's doing, how this person responded, how that person responded. Well, this is the type of love they gave me. They don't deserve this unlimited love for myself. None of us deserve that unlimited love in and of ourselves. If you're withholding it from somebody else, then you are not choosing that agape love. We're all just as guilty as everything. But thank you, Jesus, that he makes us not guilty. It's only because of him. Have you heard of Newton's law, Newton's third law? You may know that one. You can just raise your hand. Are you familiar with Newton's third law? That for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Uh, a good example of this 
law, it's a scientific law, right? But a good example is swinging a baseball bat. If you swing a baseball bat at a ball and you hit the ball, then you move the bat one way, that's the action, and then the ball comes off the bat and goes wherever, that's the reaction of equal power or just in the opposite direction. If you miss the ball, then you move wind. You can't see the wind, right? But you move that. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. There was an action thousands of years ago. Adam and Eve sinned. They chose the tree of life. I'm oh, sorry, they chose the tree of the good knowledge of good and evil. The reaction was sin and fear along with it entered the world. Now God responded and right there in Genesis chapter 3 the first prophecy of Jesus he says to the serpent you'll crawl on your belly the seed of a woman will crush your head speaking about Jesus directly right. right there in the very beginning that was God's reaction to the action of sin and fear entering the world Jesus a savior by one man sin entered the world and then in the book of Romans by one man it was defeated. Let's read that. Romans 5, verse 12, and then we're going to skip and read 17 through 19. You ready? When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater, is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin. We can stop right there just for a second. Uh, God's gift of righteousness, man, there are a lot of people in the world that will try to convince you that righteousness is not a gift from God, that it's something you have to earn. And if we had to earn our own righteousness, we'd all be in a lot of trouble because all have sinned and falling short of the glory of God. And if you fall into one, then your righteousness is as filthy rags. Thank you, Jesus, that because of what he did for us, his righteousness is now accounted to us. That is a free gift. That's awesome. Gift of his righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man. And there's believers who just aren't receiving the gift of righteousness. They still think it's about them. We sometimes fall into that trap of still thinking it is about our actions. And that keeps us bound to sin. Mm -hmm. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ, one act for every action, equal and opposite reaction, right? Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ, one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many become sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. And Jesus was perfect love incarnate. Amen. And what we witness happen in the Gospels is perfect love, God's reaction to sin, casting out fear at every turn. Jesus chose agape love. He didn't have to operate in love. He was God in the flesh. Realistically, let's be honest, he could have grabbed a sword and taken out whoever he wanted to take out. And he could have established himself on a physical throne as king of the world. 
But that's not what he chose to do. In fact, when Peter drew the sword in the garden and cut off a soldier's ear, what did Jesus do? He picked up the ear and he put it back on the guy. Yep, that's right. This happened after the soldier said, are you Jesus? And he says the words, I am. And then it says the entire legion fell over. They didn't just all trip on the same rock. It wasn't a domino effect. That'd be kind of funny, right? One guy falls into the next guy and they all fall down. But that's not what happened. We're talking, there was maybe up to 40 soldiers armed trying to arrest one person. All we know is that one of the disciples had a sword. Peter somewhere got a sword. But 40 armed soldiers would have been able to easily take it out these 13 guys, 12 disciples of Jesus. That's if all the disciples were there. Jesus speaks the words, I am. It's the same exact phrase that God spoke to Abraham when Abraham said, who are you? And God said, I am. When he said that, the power that came out of his mouth knocked all 40 plus of those soldiers to the ground. He could have established himself on any throne he wanted. But that's not how he did it. He didn't do it with power, uh, physical power, or physical strength. It was way more and way deeper than anything physical. He had to take out fear at the very root. And that's what we are going to get to in this series. What is the root of our response in any situation? Is the root of this response fear or is the root of my response love? Because life, when you look back on it, maybe after you're in the next world, is really just a series of reactions. Your life becomes a series of how you responded and you reacted to things. As a child, how did you respond to, to discipline? As a teenager, how did you respond in school? As an adult, how do you respond to the ways you were raised? How do you respond to what life has thrown at you? How do you respond to where you're at in this world? How you respond basically becomes your life and is the root of it. Fear or love, you can choose. The power is yours. But fear and love look very, very different. I've been thinking about this a lot, and I think the Lord gave me something really great, a question uh, that, that I, or just something that I can think of uh, that, that we can all think of. We can keep it in our heart, and it'll be a great start to to deciphering if we're responding out of fear or out of love. We're going to get into some scriptures here really soon. But I want to read this here in 1 John 4, 18. And then I'm going to tell you this. And I think it will be revelation to all of us. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. Man, that's an awesome statement. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We're going to come back to that and read all around that verse in a few moments. Right now, keep that in mind. There is no fear in love. This is what I thought the Lord told me this week, uh, or a couple weeks ago, actually. Fear and responding in fear is always based on this question. It starts like this. What if? Fear is always based on this question. What if? Whereas love and responding as love is always based on this declaration that starts like this. God will. Especially for the believer. Fear asks, what if 
Love says God will. And there's the difference between a response rooted in fear or a response rooted in love. Fear says, I better withhold. I can't give right now. What if I don't have enough? You can apply that to any area. Finance, time, energy. I can't go help this person right now. I can't give my energy to this relationship right now. What if I don't have enough time or energy for myself? I can't give into this a family in need right now with finances. What if I don't have enough? I can't do something. What if? Whereas love says, I'm going to give and give and give. God will provide Amen. for Amen. my needs. Right. Amen. Fear was something the disciples responded with in the middle of a boat when the storm came. We better turn around. What if we drown? Love stood up, and this is an example of love casting out fear. And said, God will make a way. Peace be still. Keep on going. Fear says, what if we drown? Love says, God will make a way. Man, if Jesus responded in fear, he might have said, man, I can't go eat at Zacchaeus' house. I can't be seen uh, responding in love to this woman who's been caught in adultery. I can't be seen with all these sinners. What if people think I'm one of them? Love said, God will always know who I am and know my heart. And love sat down in the middle of those sinners and did not become one of them, but just impacted them. That's good. And this is how the enemy is still attacking today with fear. If he can get you asking, what if, instead of declaring that God will, we'll have more responses reared in fear than we do in love. And, and, and that's just not what this world needs. Your friends, your family need you to respond in love at every turn because they're just going to get fear from everywhere else. Amen. Man, we're going to get fear facing us at every turn in this world. And it's not anything new. It might feel like it's new. It might be wrapped up in a different kind of wrapping in 2020 and 2021 than it ever has been before. But it's the same thing. It's fear. It's fear. <coughs> it's fear. But when we choose and when our responses are rooted in love, and it even builds a confidence within ourselves as we see our declaration of God will become true. And then we see him provide again and we see him provide again and we see him provide again. And maybe here, if you've never made these choices before, if you have made it a habit of responding in fear, if that's become a part of your life, then maybe, maybe in the beginning stages, you say God will. With a, maybe your voice is a little bit quieter. Maybe you're, you're, it's more of like a God will take care of me. But just start from there. And then when you see it happen, the next time it comes around, you're going to say, hey, he did it last time. That's right. God Come will on. provide for me again. That's yeah. right. And I'm willing to bet every one of us in here can go back to instances right now where God took care of us. And where one of the reasons we're not responding in love right now is because we're just not remembering the last time God did something. Mm. you got to remember those things. This is, uh, we get a great example of this. With Jesus in the wilderness. You, you know, this is in Matthew chapter 4. I mean, this is towards the beginning of Jesus' ministry here on earth. You know the story? He goes to the wilderness and he is met by the devil himself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to read this passage because 
These are three questions that the devil will still to this day try to get us asking on every turn. And if he can, we will become more rooted in fear than love. Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 through 11. During that time, remember Jesus is in the wilderness. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If, remember what fear says, what if? If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. He was hungry. Jesus was fasting. The devil met him with this. Two questions right here. What if you don't have enough? What if you're not who you think you are? Do any of those questions sound familiar? But let's see how love responds. Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say people don't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here's the answer. What if you don't have enough? Jesus said, God will supply my need. Even if I don't get bread, God will supply my need. Too many times, the enemy meets you and me with what if you don't have enough? And our response is, oh, yeah, what if I don't have enough? What if that cupboard does start getting a little bit more dry? What if my job is not getting the business we've got in the past? What if there are layoffs? What if, what if, what if man does not live by his job alone? God will provide. We do not live by what's in our cupboard alone. God will provide. Yeah. And this is going somewhere because that's the first question. Something really great happens at the end. Here's the second one. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, questioned his identity again. If you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he ordered his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Here it is again. What if you're not who you think you are? What if you're not who God says you are? Mm. Boy, that has shut us all down before. Amen. What if I'm not who you say I am? Jesus responded. The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. In other words, he said God will stand true to his word. I am who he said I am. Fear says what if. Love says God will. There's a lot more to that one. We might, or this next one here, or we might get into it. We might have to wait, but here's the next one. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I'll give it all to you, he said. You will kneel down and worship. We gotta stop there for a second. I do have to get into this. You know, Jesus came <laughs> to defeat sin, right? To to make a way to the Father directly for every one of us. And he did that. But remember, he also rose from the dead with the keys of life and death in his hand. Because of sin, the enemy had authority on the earth during this time that he does not have now. Like, when you read the Bible, you've got to put yourself in the right category. We are not Old Testament believers living the life of Old Testament prophets and, and kings and people. We have a different covenant. We have a covenant with God 
that includes the forgiveness of our sin based on the work of Jesus and not the work of our own hands bringing the right sacrifice to the temple. Our way to the Father has been made clear because of Jesus. When we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that He is the Son of God, that covenant becomes ours. That's right. At this time, the enemy was operating in more authority than he has now because of sin. And Jesus knew the price he was going to have to pay to get that authority back. And it was his blood, the blood of an innocent man. And he knew what he was going to have to go through. He knew he was going to carry our sicknesses and our diseases upon his own body. He knew that he was going to have to lift up a cross on his bloody back and carry it up a hill. He knew that he was going to be nailed hands and feet to a cross, crown of thorns on his head, sword through his side. He knew this. And the devil takes him to this peak and he says, look around. I'm going to give you an easy way out. I know what you came for. You came to get all this authority back from me. I'll just give it to you now if you kneel down and worship me. Mm. The question, what if you don't make the hard choice? There's so much more in this. What if you don't actually have what it takes to do what you need to do? What if you get to the very end and, and, and the cross becomes too heavy and you drop it and you can't fulfill it? What if you carry those diseases, those sicknesses into your own body and you don't make it? What if, what if, there's so many unknowns. And when we look at the things the Lord has called us to do, sometimes if you have a big dream in your heart, you look at that big dream and you start asking these same questions. So what if there's an easier version? What if when the Lord told me that uh, I have a call to, to speak in front of thousands and thousands of people, uh, he just went like, oh, and I've already done that. So what if I've actually already done the things he's called me to do? What if instead of, 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 of my big dream to have my own company, what if I just like manage somebody else's? What if instead of my dream to have a family with kids, I just kept whatever, whatever, whatever. And we start, we start trying to make the dream God put in our heart even smaller mm, so it can fit without all these what ifs, what if it's too big? What if the call is too great? That's what the enemy was doing right here to Jesus. What if you can't actually do this huge thing? I'll just give you this part of it right here. I'll give you these kingdoms. But no, Jesus took them back on his own. What if the plan doesn't work? That's really what he was saying. What if it doesn't work? Just take the easy way out. Here's a good part. Here's how love responds. Get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Jesus basically said, God will finish what he started. Then talk about perfect love, casting out fear. Here's what the next line says. Then the devil went away. And angels came and took care of Jesus. You know, James 4, 7 says that when you submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. That's right. If you feel like you can't get any relief from the enemy yelling at you in your face, asking you what if, maybe you haven't either submitted to God or maybe you're not resisting. Right. You need to start answering these what if questions with love, God will. I mean, if a what if fear-based question hits your head today, I want you to respond with God will. 
What if we don't have enough? God will provide. What if the journey is too long? God will make a way. What if he doesn't? He will. He'll finish what he started. The enemy always comes at you with what ifs. And if we let it, it will cripple us. It will stop us in our tracks. It will stop us from serving at every level. It will stop us from serving our family well. Fear will stop you from serving yourself well. Fear will stop you from taking care of yourself. Physically. That's important. And a lot of people are a little too worried about tattoos and a little bit not concerned enough about just being healthy. The temple starts from the inside out. Come on. We're so focused on the outside. Come on. Fear will stop you from opening up and loving others. Fear will stop you from ministering the gospel to people. These what-ifs will cripple you. But when love responds, and if you're a believer, remember, this perfect love is on the inside of you. And when you respond with it, you are responding with that same love Jesus responded with. When you respond with that love instead of fear, it ignites you. It moves you forward. When the enemy says, when fear says, let's just say fear, what if you don't have enough? Love, love says God will supply, and you can even say that's in Philippians 4.19, and it's in other places. When fear says you're not who you think you are, you can say 1 John 4.17 says, I am just like Jesus in this world. We are about to jump into that. When the enemy's fear says, what if God isn't faithful? Philippians 1.6 says that God will complete the good work he began in Amen. me. Amen. Well, what if he didn't begin anything in me? Are you a believer? Do you believe in Jesus? That's when the work started. Right. Really, it started on the cross. For you, it started when you believed. That's right. This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Did God really say Always questioning God's word. Yes. And the enemy questions God's words more than he ever is concerned about questioning you. He's more concerned with taking the word out of you than he is about sending you to the grave. He's not trying to kill you as much as he's just trying to steal the word from you. If he can steal the word from you, he doesn't even worry about anything else. Yeah. That's right. Did God really say you could? Not eat of any fruit in the garden. Well, he said we couldn't eat of this one tree. I mean, if you think about their focus right there, how many trees are there? Different breeds of trees, different kinds of trees. Maybe 10,000, probably more than that. So I love that Adam and Eve could have responded with, well, God said we could eat of 9,999 trees. <laughs> that puts it in a different perspective than, oh, he said we couldn't eat of just one, right? We're always to this day still focused on that one thing we might think we can't have, right? Instead of all that we do have. Right. And these were Amen. perfect people and it was still their focus. Mm. He basically said, what if you don't die? Did God really say that sure you will die? Mm. What if you don't? Would you eat from this tree of life, uh, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What's really going to happen is you're going to be like God. You're going to know the things that he knows. What if that is what happens? Instead of saying, no, God will 
provide for us just fine without that one tree's fruit. And it's still his only trick. If he can get you to question what God will do or what he has done in your life, that's where fear sets in. And here's the question. Is it fear or is it love? Where are you responding with? That's what God's asking us this year. What are we from 1 John? So we're going to go back to these. We read two verses from 1 John. And we're going to read around those two right here. 1 John chapter 4, verses 15 through 19. So paying attention, noticing how you're responding, we'll call that step one. It's a good start to responding with love instead of fear. But what can we do beyond that? Here's what we get from 1 John. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them. And they live in God. We know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. Notice again, fear and love do not go hand in hand. Our love was more perfect, so we will not be afraid in the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. So here's what we have taken from this verse, and we probably can all quote this from, from a long time ago, if you've been a believer for a long time, perfect love cast out fear. And how about this, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Living in God, who is love, cast out fear. What if becomes a thing of the past? God will becomes your present, your future declarations. Living in God, in this translation, is the Greek word, it's minnow, M-E-N-O, and it means to dwell. And there's a lot in that word, dwell. You can think about your dwelling place, like your house, where you live, where you spend your time, but this word to dwell in the Greek has this great definition to live in a specified place, but here's the part I want to focus on, the second thing, to think, speak, or write at length about a particular subject. Dwelling means think, that's the inside. Speak, that's it coming out. And write at length about a particular subject. Man, writing, the creativity that flows from your life, what you experience, the way you share your life with other people. Man, that's what that word dwell means. It's inside, it's outside, it's everything, the creativity of our life. And as we dwell in God, our love becomes, like it says, more perfect. In other words, we begin to respond rooted in love more than fear, sometimes even on accident, more than we ever could on perfect. Uh, on perfect. On our own. <laughs> There's a lot to that word well. We're going to spend some time focusing on it over the next few weeks, but just for today, 
close this out. It definitely is in the right order to think, speak, write about creativity. The reason it's in the right order because it has to start on the inside first. Remember, we've talked about this a lot in 2021. Right believing produces right living. That's good. Somehow we always, not always, but somehow so many people get it backwards and think that right living happens first, then everything else follows. It just doesn't happen like that. Inside first to the outside. To think, speak, or write about something at length. So that's why it's so important to actually be in a community of believers. That's why it's so important to not forsake the assembly. Yeah. It really is just the truth. Yeah. We need moments like this. We need moments like we had when we just hung out and, and talked at our, our Thanksgiving meal this year. When we did baptisms outside, getting to know each other. Because our conversations in moments like this will be centered around what the Lord is doing in our life. How we can encourage each other. And it starts to, to wash away all that negative thinking as I bump elbows with my brothers and sisters and iron sharpens iron. That's why these moments are important. That's why conversations uh, about what God's doing in your life and sharing the testimony that he's doing and listening to others' testimony is so important because that's dwelling in God. That's why it's so important to be in the Word daily. It fills your mind with God will instead of what if. Conversations with, with, with each other fill our mind up with God will instead of what if. That's why it's so important to spend time in the presence of God through praise, thanksgiving, worship. Because moments in the presence of God fill your mind up with God will rather than what if. Yes. That's why it's so important to have friends, good friends who you know are believers, who you can trust, count on, pray with. Because those moments fill your mind up with God will rather than what if. Amen. It's that simple. Fear asks, what if? Mm. Love says God will. How are we responding? How did you respond today? How are you going to respond when you leave this place? How are you going to respond when you leave here today? And the news says something that you can choose then to get in fear? Or you can say, man, God will keep my family safe. Amen. God will supply everything I need. What happens when you get bad news from your job? We've all, we've all been there. We've all been there before. And you know what? God made a way last time. How are you going to respond this time? Fear or God will make a way? Lisa was praying up here. She was declaring as we were all worshiping. And I heard her say, particles are coming home this year. I believe that. How are you going to respond next time somebody you're close to and you think about them they're not serving the Lord right now. Maybe they're, they're, they're living a lifestyle that you just know is not God's best for them. How are you going to respond next time that person comes your way? And what if they never change? Or God will make a way. Yes. God will complete what he started. God's word will not return void in their life. How are you going to respond? And let's fill out the what ifs. To declare that God wills, you got to be in this. you got to know what He will do. Some of us just don't know. If you're here at our church, you're in the right place to find out what He will do. Because we're always focused on what God will and is doing. Amen. Other than what we're doing here at Freedom. Amen. I'll tell you that.
But let's start by asking ourselves that question. Am I responding in fear? Am I responding in love? Am I falling into another trap of what if? Or am I responding with God will? And when you do it enough times, the enemy turns around and runs. 